Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. And we have a happy panel today. We have two Interisti and a Laziale. I'm going to introduce, before we bring in our special guest, Nick Costa, let me introduce my co-host, Jerry Mancini. And Jerry, I'm going to let you take the victory lap for what was an excellent performance in Lazio getting a much-needed win, 2-0 against Napoli. But I'm going to give myself at least some of the credit. Uh, Jerry, you know what had been going on behind the scenes with me and Lazio. Recently, I had begun, for reasons that are hard to explain, betting on Lazio to win pretty much every match they've played, like four or five in a row. And I think I picked up this habit because I'm so superstitious that I stopped betting on Inter. And Inter have won six consecutive league games since I stopped betting on them, so we know what's going on there. But I had been mushing Lazio because every time I wagered on Lazio to win, they were either drawing or losing. And so today I thought, let me capitalize on Lazio just being in the mud and let me bet on Napoli. And, of course, I bet on Napoli. And then Chido Immobile gets a beautiful goal from a header off a of Marisic cross, climbed the ladder for it. Even Luis Alberto scored today. And he's been, you know, he's been, like, barely in the squad for the last few weeks. So Jerry Vancini, Jerry, very important for Lazio, given the slide that they had been in the league lately, you know, back into, into eighth place with this win against a really tough Napoli side. So you've got to be feeling good today. Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't say it was a pure dominant performance from Lazio. I think that what was impressive was they were, they were able to weather the storm for, I would say, a good 40 minutes. The first 20 minutes was all Lazio, and then they just really, the game tilted into Napoli's favorite, and they really dictated the tempo and pace. But I think the biggest outcome of this game, and it be, continues to be Napoli's problem, is that they beat themselves in matches. And that's what they did today. In the first goal, in the first goal, I was watching the, the the replays of the two goals, and the first one, Matteo Politano does not force uh, Adam Matić from making that cross. So if you really look at a guy who's an, an inverted winger, and all of a sudden has that much time in space to get onto his left foot, and I, I was impressed with the cross he did with his left foot because he's a natural right-footed player. And it, it's just because Marisic has so much time and to, they fail to recognize that he's not a true left wing back. So they should have like really pressured him more in that situation. And then the second goal, Mario Rui, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. <laughs> uh, he must have been drunk on the play because he gifted a pass to Escalante. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're going in transition, you're going upfield, and the Napoli defense, everyone's out of position. No one knows their assignment. And you got right away, Escalante recognizes the play, finds Immobile. Great job again, Immobile on the play. Gets it to Alberto. Bang, shot right past uh, Ospina, and that's it. That's the game, basically. So the absence of Dries Mertens um, and Lorenzo Insigne were a big loss. I think that the game would have been much different had they been able to play today. Uh, I don't think it would be 2-0. I think it would be 0-0 probably in the second half, or maybe Napoli has a goal first. Who knows? Um, and then credit to Lazio for, for overcoming the loss of Francesco Cherby at the last minute. I think that Lazio really managed this very poorly. And then you got a guy, Wesley Hoot, who has really stepped up and been stellar this year. 
Um, you went to the transfer market. You you addressed the need of a center back. I know a lot of people still don't like him. I, I for one, love this guy. Um, personally, he works hard. He's physical. He plays a simple game. I know he got nutmegged in the early goings by, I believe, Lozano. But you got to also understand this. This is a guy who didn't prepare for this match and, and probably didn't know he was going to be playing today. You got Francesco Acerbi, who you think that is going to be playing throughout the course of the week. Last second, he re-aggravates his injury, which could have been prevented by not even forcing him to play today because it proved that they didn't need him. And you would have a healthy Acerbi for Wednesday, which is now probably in doubt. And you got a guy, Wesley, who's been really stellar between Champions League and in Serie A. You put him in the middle. He's shown to be comfortable in the center position with uh, Stefan Radu on the left and Luis Felipe on the right. I just don't like when we have the players, people say we didn't buy the right players. We got him, use him. Escalante, another perfect example. He is showing that he'll be the new Lucas Leva for the foreseeable future. Do I think Leva's done? No, I don't. Do I think he can play on a consistent basis? No. But, again, you got two good defensive midfielders now that can change. And then this, these are things, these are good things that we're seeing with Lazio that we haven't seen in past seasons. So, I'll cap it off with two more things. Luis Alberto, 150th appearance. He scores. Excellent. What did he do? Runs to his manager and hugs him. To me, that's that's the... I was going to say in a tweet, love and joy. My wife's like, don't say that because it's not love and joy. It's, it's a little too extreme. But I'm going to say it's depreciation of what he has for his manager, his players, and his team. I, I just don't see this guy being sold. I know that the whole rift between Lotito and Luis Alberto, I think that his mind is with Lazio. And if he's to be sold, it will not be in the Serie A. It will be somewhere around La Liga. Because he's always mentioned about going back home to play in, in Spain. So, And to cap it off, Chiro Immobile, this guy can score more than just scoring from the spot. Let's just get this straight. This is not a guy who can just score penalty shots. In the past two games, he's scored two miraculous goals. Miraculous. That, that's what I'm going to say. Impressive against Napoli today. Impressive against Benevento. Um, this guy keeps on winning games for Lazio, and if not winning, at least drawing to get some points. So he, he's on fire. He's scored 11 of their past 12 games in all competition in that span. He's got 12 goals. He's got eight goals in Serie A this year. Um, I, a lot of people, including myself, I didn't think he was going to repeat and, and show the same kind of... Con- Continuity from last year to this year, the consistency, um, the, the the same level of play, especially in a condensed schedule. And he's proven me wrong and probably a lot of people wrong. And you know what? He's the backbone of this team. He's the captain now until Lulich comes back. But you know what? This is this can be like the game changer for Lazio. Had they lost today, I, I would say top four spot may have just been crushed. All of a sudden, you're looking three points out from Roma for fourth place. Roma didn't look good in the second half today. And Lazio's season may just have turned around at, at the right time for Christmas. It's a huge win. And uh, and I know there's a lot of frustration among Napoli supporters having you know dropped a, a midweek game to Inter where they were a bit unfortunate not to get something out of that match and then you know to drop this one to Lazio. So it's been tough for them. But uh, let me bring on a fellow Interista. 
this man, you know him and you love him from Inter Twitter. He's from the Philadelphia area. He's also a big hockey fan. You can hear him on the Brotherly Puck uh, podcast. So we're all hockey fans here. Of course, Jerry's Canadian, so it's mandatory to be a oh. hockey fan. I didn't know you're on the Brotherly Hockey podcast, man. Yeah. Oh shit, man! Yeah, thanks for having that. me, Alex. I appreciate you uh, giving me an opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, guys. N- n- and let me say his this. name, by the way. Nick Costa is with us. Nick, welcome. How are you, you, man? I'm I'm in a great mood. Uh, Inter won both games this week. Uh, I would have been in a better mood if Milan lost, but I'm, I'm in a good holiday spirit. I'm in a good mood. It's a it's Sunday night. I'm I'm, a gla- I'm glad you have me on. Thank you. Oh no, it's our pleasure. Um, I, I want to go through quick uh, some of my notes uh, on on the Inter two one victory over Spezia today, and then we'll have Nick weigh in on it. I, I know that uh, Nick and I were talking before the show. He certainly saw some things the same way that I saw them, <laughs> and his opinions on Conte I know are similar to mine. You know, um, the first half I was half asleep. Uh, Inter looked really uninspired in the attack in the first half. Everything was static. Nobody was making runs. I, I think really the most, the prettiest chance, Nick, that Inter had in the first half, and we'll start with this, Ashley Young nearly did something really, really special. Uh, created a, su- a superb chance for himself. Dribbled past two defenders in the box. Was at a tough angle. He put the shot just wide. I mean, that would have been a goal of the week candidate had he scored it. Uh, you know, Lautaro also had a decent chance missed in the first half, a uh, header off a of Brozovic free kick. So what were you thinking, Nick, at halftime? Were you thinking, oh, my God, this is going to end up being like a really ugly nil-nil draw? Or did you think something inspiring would happen in the second half? Uh, I agree. The um, Ashley Young play is probably the only highlight of the first half. Didn't their goalie, um, Spezia, his name slipped my mind. I think he got fingertips because a corner ensued. He did. That's right. Yeah. So that would have been... A gorgeous goal. Um, I said it to you on Twitter. Spezia kept turning the ball over and over and over again. And Inter kept just typical Inter the last few weeks is their first halves are dreary. Um, I, I was expecting another Pazza Inter where it's 0-0 to the 83rd minute. But luckily they came out much stronger in the second because Guy Ardini was on the bench. Uh, coincidence? I think not. But um, once Gallardini sat, uh, the, the game opened up. But I was a little skeptical because Spezia has – they're near the middle of the table right now, right? Or maybe these couple of losses kind of dropped them. But they were playing pretty tough the first handful of games. Didn't they take points from Juve? They did. So Yeah, I'm looking uh, – oh, I had I had the table open, and, of course, it, uh, it reset on me. So I, I can reopen it a second. But, yeah, you're right. They have – had kind of a tough uh, run of form recently. Spezia, uh, they're near the bottom now. They're 17th. Oh, so you're oh. right. The, the last That's couple of games drop. have not helped their cause. I thought it was going to be a trap game. You know, they uh, they escaped the Napoli game, and then you know they called a trap game across all sports. You're like you're gonna you're you're facing an inferior opponent who has played tough against bigger teams this year, and luckily. Uh, once Guy Ardini sit the uh, sat the uh, offense opened up, and it's funny because our guy uh, Jerry is a huge Gallardini fan. Um, I think that you know Jerry keeps me grounded with Gallardini, and it's actually kind of funny because Nick looks a little bit like Gallardini. I, I don't he mean does, that as an insult actually. to you. <laughs> do, do, doesn't doesn't he? He looks like he, uh, he looks a bit like Gallardini. So I don't mean that as an yes. insult. You probably have. Better no, he's skills. a handsome guy. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. I'm not saying he's. A bad guy. I mean, he's handsome. He's a man rocket, but his uh, football uh, leaves a little to be desired. He's a guy you got to use in 
small doses. When you keep overusing them like Conte, I bet you that's why Jerry likes him, because he sucks so bad, and he holds inner back. Yeah. That's why you like him, because when he's out there, they suck. <laughs> well, and it was crazy, because, um, you know, Gagliardini was really bad in the first half. I mean, I understand, like, what Jerry likes about him. I appreciate, And it's what Conte likes about him, because his work rate is through the roof. Like, the guy never lacks effort. The problem is the finished product is never there. And, you know, a, a lot of times it lends to, you know, horrific misses like the open goal he had again. Is that a Gagliardini photo? It, no, it cuts off a, a little bit, uh, though. You've got to find the right formatting. But, uh, you know, you, you see him sometimes have horrific misses in front of goal like the Sassuolo game last season. Or in, in the case of today, he just couldn't correctly place a pass. Like Gagliardini was just re- had no touch whatsoever today. And, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't just a matter of benching Gagliardini at halftime, which I'm glad Conte did. I'll give Conte partial credit for that. And I only give him partial credit because he was the guy who started Gallia in the first place. But I'll, I'll give him credit for benching Gallia. There he is. See, look, they, they look a lot alike, man. But it, it wasn't just too. a matter of the, same hairstyle. the hairline is the same. Everything is the same. <laughs> Oh that is remarkable. Jerry, you have to remind me that uh, when, when we're tweeting out this episode later, I've got to take a screenshot of that moment. Like that we have, we have Roberto Gagliardini on the pod with us today, basically. But you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't only a matter of of getting a boost just from sitting Gallia. It was also credit to Stefano Sensi who replaced him, who I I thought was. We saw shades of Sensi from September and October last year where he was super active, decisive with his passes, very creative. Uh, I mean, he, he was the one who played in the cross that led to the handball and the penalty to make it 2-0, which turned out to be a really, really important goal uh, because Inter needed that one. But, you know, Nick, if I, I get a little bit ahead of myself because if we're going to break down that second half, we've got to give credit to Ashraf Hakimi, and that's why for those watching on YouTube, you can see that I have Hakimi as my background photo today because uh, I, I I'm really really happy with the way he's played recently because you know I know for the first seven or eight match days there was a lot of banter from opposing fans saying look they wasted 40 million on this guy and he's going to be the next bust he's going to be the next Valentino Lazaro and you know all hyped up for nothing but he's been playing really really well uh, you know Lautaro Martinez played a ball to him out in the channel, and Hakimi is so fast. I mean, Inter need to find a way to play more balls like that out to the right flank to Hakimi because, you know, he takes over with the speed, has a good first touch. He finished it. I think the goalie could probably have some regrets that he wasn't covering that near post, but it was still a magnificent goal by Hakimi. And so what have you seen, uh, Nick? What are your takeaways about Hakimi's development? Because as I mentioned, he – could be a little bit shaky at times earlier in the season, but it seems like he's really hitting a stride now. I, I agree. Um, to that first goal, that's exactly what you said. Like, uh, I forget who gave the ball to Lautaro because I watched the entire game on my phone. Couldn't really see. Oh, yeah. It was um, – oh, man. I want to say it might have been Ashley. I think it was Ashley Young because it came from So the Young to side. Lukaku. Lukaku made a beautiful touch to Lautaro, and then Lautaro just – he saw – it was just one-on-one out there. And like you said, Hakim would be the fastest player in Serie A. And he just put it out there for him to go get it. Beautiful first touch. That defender had no chance and beats the goalie near post. Yeah. Which was a wonderful shot. And yes, um, 
very slow start. Uh, I was thinking, here we go, another uh, Condoglia signing, another one of those busts. But I think maybe part of the problem was he has to adjust to Serie A. And those first couple games when every team was dealing with COVID, um, part of those back three was – do we curse on this podcast? Do we swear? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Jerry and I curse like man. sailors. Fucking Kolarov back what there in the back so? three. So when you have this – isn't Hakimi 22 years old? Yeah. So, like – He might know, be younger. He might be uh, – he might only be, like, 20. Good grief. So, regardless, he's still extremely young. So, adjusting the playing in Serie A, adjusting the Conte system – Fucking Kolarov is one of your defenders back there. Um, I feel like he's gotten better. Excuse me, when with that the back three of Bastoni, Devry, and Skriniar have been incredible, and I feel like they can those three can really make up for with the wing backs before they get back. When you had Kolarov back there, who I, I think uh, you know a, a seven year old could dribble at this rate, uh, you know. It, I, I, you were you're left out. You basically had two defenders, two 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 guys back there. So I think Hakimi has adjusted. Um, the boys seem to be utilizing him at his strength. It's just if he's out there, just send it. He's gonna get there, and if he doesn't, he's still gonna pressure whoever gets to the ball first. Yeah, well, well said. He, he's and 22. You're right. He's 22. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Man. I, 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 I tried to I tried to make him a child. I uh, I tried to shave off a couple of years onto his age. But there was uh, he he actually has uh, set a couple of uh, of interesting records. He's uh, he's now the first defender in Serie A history to score four goals in his first thirteen appearances with a club, and he's now the uh, the youngest defender in in the top five European leagues this year to score four goals. So that that's good. I mean. Uh, Really young guy, whether he's 20 or it turns out he's 22, that's a really, really nice start to be off of. Uh, last thing I want to get uh, you guys' take on with the Inter match. Now, you know, I should say just to set the scene, really important win given the landscape of Serie A uh, with where Inter is in the table because Milan won today. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them in a moment, scoring a record-setting uh, goal of their own. And Juventus won uh, Saturday just dismantling Padma 4-0. So with Inter being three points in front of Juve, one point behind Milan, it was imperative for them to win and kind of keep pace and stay in the same spot. So that was really important. Now, Inter won the game, and uh, it was relatively comfortable in the second half, even though they only ended up winning by one goal because uh, Spezia Nick scored a goal to make it 2-1. Mm-hmm. to one, And I think by the way, that those who bet on Inter on the spread. I, I want to say it was a one-and-a-half goal spread, so that was a bad beat if I've ever seen. They, again, I stopped betting on Inter. <laughs> that, that was a bad beat if you had Inter minus a goal-and-a-half uh, because Spezia scored on one of the final touches of the game in the final minute of stoppage time. So do you think that's the type of goal that Conte probably gave his dressing room an earful after that? I would think so. I mean, Inter seems to be... a seems to be prone to the occasional brain fart to start this first quarter of the season. Um, yeah, thank God they had that penalty goal because we'd all be pulling our hair out. Like, typical inner, here we go, giving up a late game-time goal to a shit team in the last few minutes. But was that Darmian who missed his man who had the brain fart? Or was yeah, it uh, one of the center backs? Uh, I think it was – that's a good question. I have to go back and watch it. I think it was Darmian on the right side, but you're right. It, I – 
it, it could have easily have just as easily been uh Scriniar, but I'm not I'm not positive. Yeah. Oh, and to double back on Lazio real quick, that second goal, can we make it like hockey and give uh, Mario Rui the second assist to Immobile? Yes. That was awful. <laughs> that was so you, bad. You could probably say that. That's a good point. I don't think Napoli's what they used to be during like the Iguain era when everyone else was a little younger. I think that Napoli with the bite is done. Really, eh? Um, I, I think, think that window's closing. It's really so. tough only because um, of, of how many guys they had out. I mean, no no Insigne, Mertens. They've been without Osimhen for now a few games. Um, you know, it, it certainly is a team that, you know, lately just has not been in that clinical, right? They're able to create chances, just not finish them. That's been a problem with them for a while. That's not really a new thing. Mm. I just think they they have so much talent. I, I just think they can be kind of a streaky mm-hmm. team. And, and having a guy like Rui starting for you is just horrific. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Jerry, you know, I know we were, of course, uh, we were all paying attention to Milan, uh, and Milan did win again today. They held on for a two to one against Sassuolo. They, they, it was a well deserved victory. And Milan scored on, uh, I'm not going to take credit for this comparison because it was Matteo Bonetti who I saw through this out there. They made the FIFA kickoff glitch a reality. Like, because you only really see that in FIFA where a team scores like eight seconds after the opening kickoff. I, I've never seen that in real life before. It was the fastest goal scored in Serie A history. It only took a few seconds for Rafael Leao to score the opening goal. And then Milan was on the front foot from that point forward. They had a goal by Chalanoglu disallowed. He was about, you know, a quarter of an inch offside. Salad makers, our guy scored, uh, scored the second goal to make it 2-0. You know, Sassuolo did get one back very, very late. A free kick from Domenico Berardi, who, who makes life miserable for both of the Milanese clubs but uh but another win uh for milan jerry so so what do you say because i know that you and i have been have been trash talking our guy rui Pereira a lot in our group chat but they they they, you know they drop points in their last couple of matches with hard-fought draws this time they get back to their winning ways are you starting to believe that milan can really pull this out for a scudetto i i still don't think so i think juventus is the team to and it's juventus and inter and Inter not having to play in Champions League, I I I think they'll take Coppa Italia serious. I really do, and that yeah, shouldn't really that shouldn't really hinder their season because only what three or four games they'll have to play out of that. So, I I personally think that Milan is gonna have a hard run in the second half of the year. Um, we don't know about Zlatan now he's out for what another month apparently. Um, today I think they, really? they lost. Um, well. I could be wrong about that. I, I know. I know they said till it's at another least, couple uh, more weeks. Okay, maybe because I know that they said uh, till the new year. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that means early January or mid January yeah. or what. For for someone who was supposed to come back in two weeks, I think that the injury crisis for Zlatan it, it can be worrying. It can be worrying because like you don't know his body how he'll be able to recover, especially being at the age that he's at. Um, this recovery process, we don't know the severe, uh, uh, the severity of, of his injury. So, and then you got Kessie, who's out Wednesday now, who picked up a second yellow, who picked up a yellow, is going to force the game on Wednesday. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if someone got hurt today for Milan personally. I, I don't think so. But I just think that this team has a lot of injuries and there's just, 
I, I, I'm curious to see how they overcome it in, in January. Um, you know what? They're proving me wrong at the end of the day. They're, they're, they're winning games where they have to. They're, they're drawing them when they have to. They're overcoming a lot of adversity and showing a lot, a lot of great character. Um, today, Sassuolo looked really bad for most of the match. Um, credit to Milan. I, I liked how they started the match. And they did something different. I, I, I don't like when teams pass it back and they, they they start doing the passing to back to the goalkeeper and they move up forward. I thought what Milan did on on this exact play was perfect. They just went straight. All all players went straight up, and it was like Sassuolo were caught off guard. Did not know what was happening. It looked as if they weren't prepared for the match. In the first five seconds, everyone was caught off guard. Milan did one-touch passing, bang, 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 scored. And you know what? And then in the second goal, it was off a counterattack. And, and you know what? I, I, I didn't think Tonali was good today, personally. That's just me. I thought he gave up the ball too too often. And his, his compete. Oh, Tonali got hurt today. That's who it was. Oh, he did? I didn't yes. see that. He got subbed off at halftime. He didn't come in the second half. He was uh, limping on the sideline. He, oh. I don't, I don't confirm me on if he if he's hurt yet, but he was he was holding his like leg and he didn't look comfortable. He still progressed. He still played the the the, the first half, but he didn't look comfortable. But Tonali does a good job staying on side and, and not interfering with the play, and it results in a goal. And I think that was a good play by him, not to. Uh, to overreact for the ball, and he, he, I think it was Hernandez who came down the wing, and, and he recognized that. So I thought that I could be wrong if it was Hernandez. I don't remember who it was, but it was a good read, and it was a good start buildup from uh, Brahim Diaz, who won the uh, the ball in their own end. So you know what? A lot of players are, are picking up the slack. They're contributing. Um, a lot of young talent here. So the future looks good for Milan, I'll say that. Really but, good. Yeah. Well, I, again, I thought that Milan did play a simple game today. They didn't really make many mistakes. I thought down the latter part, maybe the last 10 minutes, Sosuolo came back a little too late. They looked more hungry in the match. Just their mistakes were so frequent that they were so lucky they didn't only they only conceded two goals to Sosuolo. And and we're starting to see that they are not a top seven team. They they will drop down now. You're starting to see the cracks in, in in the wall and all these players that are are. I feel like they're overproduced. Like they overachieved in their season already. They've already hit their 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 limit. Where now they're coming back to life and they're, you know they're they're, they're, they're like that. this year's. Uh, you remember what Cagliari did last year? Like they're they're this year's Cagliari. Like early first yes. uh, month and a half of the season, Cagliari was in a Champions League spot, and oh, this team is really going to make some noise. And then, you know, just unfortunately for for them and for Sassuolo, they, these clubs just don't have just don't have enough depth to to maintain that sort of shape throughout the year. But I I want I want Nick's uh, take on Milan because uh, obviously there there's a lot of banter back and forth between the uh, Inter Twitter and Milan Twitter. But are you starting to to take Milan seriously as a Scudetto contender, or are you just thinking more for them like a team that could be in the top four, but not top two necessarily? Hard no. <laughs> Love it. Love um, it. How many times over the last, in, in recent memory, the fly, uh, Flyers, Jesus, I did too many Flyers podcasts. How many times have Inter been 
it was a few years ago. Inter was first place in the Christmas break, and I don't even think they finished in a Champions League spot. Yeah. I think it happened two years in a row. I think it was like, or, or two out of yeah. three years, because it was like 2016 and 2017, I think. And in, in 2017, they started the year on a 16-match unbeaten streak. Yes. They had some draws in there, but yeah. And they just came crashing down to earth because those inner teams had no depth. Um, I don't take Milan seriously. I don't take their fans seriously. Um, a team that's relying on a 39-year-old uh, to drive the bus is a bunch of frauds, if you ask me. I hope I'm pissing them all off. Uh, <laughs> that, that should I, get them riled up. <laughs> I know. When I, I, I think it's, you know what? I will say this. I'm a forward thinker. It's good for Serie A, and it's good for Europe when AC Milan is good. Yeah. Um, even when Juve was in those Champions League finals, I thought, you know what? I will hate it if they win, but I'll be happy for Buffon. I digress. Um, I, I think the league will eventually catch up to Milan like it has Sassuolo, like it has Spezia, like it has Napoli. I don't, I don't think they have the horses to... Uh, maintain. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I, I want to go over a couple more topics before we wrap it up. Uh, a team that um, is a little bit of an enigma to me. Uh, they've looked really, really good uh, for, for the better part of their last three games or so is Atalanta. Um, I, I think there may be some shady stuff going on there. I mean, I, I hope, I hope that Papu Gomez gets sold this January so he can tell all and like unbury all the bodies there. But, you know, even without Gomez, uh, Atalanta got a huge victory 4-1 to over Roma today where it was really a, a second-half avalanche, and the difference was Josip Ilicic. Ilicic came on in the second half and was just the breadth of class that they needed. And, uh, you know, Roma, they, they had the 1-0 lead to start the game. They just got steamrolled in the second half. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that that's another team, and I'm not, I'm not even going to put them in the Scudetto conversation uh, but, you know, Jerry, uh, let me start with you, because you, you and I have both been pretty critical of Atalanta this season. Like, what they've done for the better part of the last three years has been amazing. Uh, but are, are you are you starting to think now that maybe this team is going to hit, and they may already be hitting at a great run of form and compete for a Champions League spot again? Or do you think there's just going to be too much chaos here for them? I'm not actually going to look up at their stats, but in the meantime, I think... It, it, it's a it's a good half. That's what they had. They're they're not consistent this year. Um, far too often we see them look good, look bad, look good, look bad. I think last season we saw Atalanta consistently score at a rapid pace, um, beating teams with their offense. Um, uh, in the first half, they were so invisible without Papu Gomez. The the, the, the midfield just didn't generate anything. Um, Roma really dictated the play, the, the tempo, the pace. Um, in the second half, I think they were at fault. They really sat back too much and allowed Atalanta to, to take the game to them, I felt. Um, as well, far too many uh, turnovers, um, very simple plays that should have been made by Roma. But in, in general, yeah, Ilicic looked like himself. Now, mm -hmm. the problem is that we haven't seen enough of that from Ilicic for 90 minutes in a game. And maybe it was the fact that he came off the bench and was able to provide that spark, that momentum. I'm curious to see how he would do if he started 
more frequently can he play that level and allow them to win games on a consistent basis because I haven't seen that this year from him um, I know that he's had a lot of personal issues that hasn't helped him his form hasn't been the same but I still think the, the loss of Papu Gomez is not replaced yet um, he's someone that you you, you you don't replace him overnight and I know that it was nice to see them get the three points today against Roma but that that midfield really, it's it's they, it's a, it revolves around Papu and he's covered so many positions and we know that already. I'm curious to see what they do in the January transfer market to replace him because they really need somebody to come in and and really fill his void. Um, Ilicic won't be able to do that because he obviously doesn't play the same role, the same position, but. I uh, I just think that this team needs to find some balance and consistency, and I and I think there's still some there's some holes. Their defense looks really shaky today. Um, yeah. Romero looks really bad. Um, he he was caught out of position, bad challenges, uh, big liability in that back end. I don't like Toloy. Uh, I don't like Palomino. These guys they're just they're 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 liabilities and they're very high risks. They don't really play a good defensive game. They're always caught out of position. They turn the ball over too frequent. Uh, I, I just don't like them, and that this is an area that they really need to address because it's going to hurt them in the long run. I mean, I think for me, I'm, I'm, I don't have them finishing in a Champions League spot, but I think a big part of that is the league just looks more competitive this year. I mean, my, my Champions League, Champions League spots, uh, and I, I know I've changed this a couple of times since the season started, but I think I reserve the right to change my opinion based on the way the match days go. You know, I, I like obviously, you know, Inter, Juventus, uh, I, I still think Napoli is going to finish in a Champions League place and then, Probably Milan, although I'm certainly not going to count Lazio out. Uh, I'm not even going to count Roma out because some weeks they just look so dangerous. Uh, it's True. a very, very Jekyll and Hyde team. I guess Atalanta, you put in that same category, another Jekyll and Hyde team. I think Sassuolo is going to drop way below the top four. Uh, you know, Verona just doesn't have nearly enough firepower. So, yeah, I think there's really like six teams in the mix for those four Champions League spots. But, uh, Nick, um, to close out the the Atalanta point, uh, do, do you think Atalanta are, are they going to be really competing for a Champions League spot? Do you think they're hitting form, or do you think the wheels are going to come off? Which it hasn't come off for the last couple of years, to be fair. Uh, it depends. What cycle of steroids are they on? Right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I wish they could get caught for that. If, if it really is happening, you think? Of course, you think? You think that? That's a big rumor. You see some of these before and after pictures of these dudes. <laughs> no, I, I never look into this stuff like that. Man. I just, honestly, I, I watch the game. I try to break down what they're doing, the plays, like the mm-hmm. passing, how they advance, and who does what. Like that, I try to actually grasp the game. I find that so much goes on, I can't even pick up half the stuff, and that's why I like to listen to people and read what they say. But yeah, stuff like that, man. I don't realize that. I would love to see pictures because that wouldn't, you know, look what, it up. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. I'm surprised if that's the case. How they haven't been caught yet, if, yeah. if, if it's true. But who knows? Maybe the the Papu Gomez versus uh, Gasparini. Um, we'll reveal well, that. Maybe, maybe that'll have a negative uh, ripple effect in the locker room. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Was was Duvan Zapata a one year wonder like uh, Piatek was? Because Piatek was all the rage. 
Um, what was the other kid? Schick? He was all the rage. Patrick Schick, yeah. He well, Schick's Rome. playing good in Germany right now. Yeah, but he went to Rome and laid an egg. And then, he, he, uh, he was, uh, Roma set their transfer record to bring him in. And, and he, yeah, and he was a massive bust. Yeah. And then, uh, Piontek was a, maybe an even bigger bust for Milan, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't see them. If that guy. <laughs> I, I don't see them guy. threatening the top four. They'll probably be yeah, the fucking stupid. Pum 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 pum. By the way, that last year that was great. And, and I'm really glad glad that Nick uh, brought up Zapata because I can remember two summers ago there were so many debates among Interisti who were saying no no do not buy Romelu Lukaku because he's overpriced and they were listening to all of the Manchester United fans saying oh this guy's first touch is shit and he's wearing Timberlands and he's fat and I can remember a lot of Interisti saying no 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 do not spend you know they ended up spending less than this but the rumor was 90 million was what Manchester United wants like oh do not spend 90 million on Lukaku you need to get Duvan Zapata from Atalanta, you can get him for like 45, 50 million. Like a lot of Interisti really wanted Duvan Zapata. And can you imagine if they had bought Zapata instead of Romelu Lukaku, where where the club might be right now? So huge bullet was dodged there. Premier League fans might be the most toxic fans in Europe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, they make make us Serie A fans look tame. And I have meltdowns on a weekly basis about it. But Manchester United, they're like the Dallas Cowboys of Europe. They once used to dominate, and now they – and just like their fans, they're annoying and stupid and talk a lot of shit. Jerry's a Cowboy fan. You <laughs> idiot. What, are you in – you said you're in Canada? Yeah. I'm, Why the I'm, fuck do you like Dallas? I've grown up liking them since the 90s, man. I don't know. My well, they say that the Dallas Cowboys, they're Canada's team. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like them. I, I love Demis Smith, Troy Aikman. Um, I, I my buddy was a Dallas Cowboy fan, so he gave me my buddy uh, actually our good friend Rob Pozzola. He's a Dallas Cowboy fan, so kind of like grew on me, and then I just chose Dallas. I don't know. Actually, it's a good point, man. I, I, I'm also an Oiler fan. I'm not even a Leaf fan. I'm from Toronto. Oh fuck the Leafs. Good for you. Yeah, good for you, Jerry. I Fuck can't stand Toronto. them. <laughs> Their fans are also too. On this note, uh, they are. They are. So, so Jerry, um, I, I need Lazio to do us all a really, really big favor midweek because Lazio play Milan. Okay, uh, Jerry, what is what is your level of confidence? Lazio looked really good against Napoli. Can they keep that form? Can they? Can they at least give? Because you know, obviously, Inter have. What could be a very painfully difficult match against Verona midweek, but if Inter can win midweek and if Lazio can take care of Milan, you can really do us a solid. Do you think Lazio can get this win? I I do plan. So for anything, I do plan on trying to write a piece of what to look out for with the match between Lazio and Milan. But aside from that, we'll say first, Lazio finally got their first win at the San Siro against Milan after 30 years last year. So, yes, since I believe 1989, I want to say. Really? Yeah, 1989, I want to say. Oh, wow. That long, and I think that's a big confidence booster going into this match because that barrier is cracked, and they now know that they can win at the San Siro. So that's huge. I think a lot of people are probably not looking into this. Um, Secondly, 
coming off a win against Napoli will really, um, it's good and bad. It's good because you got the confidence. I just don't want them being overly confident going into their Milan match now and thinking that this will be a walk in the, in the park. They need to be prepared like they were today and, and like today didn't exist and you go straight into the match and you just go from it. Um, Milan has a lot of injuries and I think the absence of Frank Kessie is huge. And with Tonali maybe missing the game, we'll just say question mark as well. That midfield is really, really thin. And you got, I believe you have Krunich and two other schmucks playing in the midfield. So I, I don't know who their midfield is going to be Wednesday. Um, so it, there's just a lot of ifs and buts with Milan. But, but you got to get Pioli a lot of credit because he's got, he's figured a way out to get these guys prepared and ready. It doesn't matter that Kessie's out. It, there's always somebody that has stepped up for Milan and, and takes their opportunity and make a name for themselves. Like Kalulu. Kalulu came in as the right back uh, for the last two games. I forgot who got hurt. Um, it but- was uh, Gabia. Gabia. Gabia gets hurt. Kalulu comes in, hasn't ever played in City, uh, and this guy looks like a gem in the last two games. He really, he was one of my most impressive players today for them, who really played good in defense. Um, they, you got to give credit to Milan. They're they're figuring ways. They, they remind me of last year, last year, before, prior to the to the to the COVID. Uh, Stoppage where Lazio were finding ways to win, and I know not like how Milan's doing on both counts of, of leagues, but they had players step up on a consistent basis, and this is what Milan's doing. They, they just they have players stepping up, and I think that Lazio can pull off the win, but it, it's a big if. I I, I I'm gonna go with Milan two one because everyone knows the type of person, and I can't say the word because it wouldn't work, but Alex can, can go the distance. I I, uh, I I can't bet for my team. I'll say it. You're a mush. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a mush, you. too. I can't I can't bet my today. Well, I'm Jerry, Twitter. you know what? Jerry, if I bet on Milan, you're basically guaranteed a win. You realize <laughs> that. I, I wrote today on Twitter that Milan was going to lose. Was was going to big win for Milan today. I feel a big performance. Do you think that worked? It went the other way, made me look good on Twitter. But then, then I went with Lazio, feeling, yeah. feeling bad about today's game. That, that actually worked finally. But um, you know what? I, I, Lazio just has to go in with the right mindset. Um, Luis Alberto scoring today was huge going into their game. Immobile is on fire. Um, there's a lot of things here that that work in their fa- their their favor. I wonder if Correa will be ready for Wednesday because he missed the game today with a muscle injury. Um, I doubt that Cherby will be ready, but you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of talent in this team that I've been saying that they have a lot of depth that they can step up against Milan on Wednesday. So it should be an entertaining game, though. Well, good luck, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the episode on, on that note. Huge thanks to Nick Costa well, for joining one, us. One you can follow got, him. Since you guys together, okay, go ahead. To, to Inter fans, how the fuck is Roma versus Inter 6:30 game? Like, who makes these schedules? Ooh, when when is that? That's a 6:30 a.m. game. Yes, it's in Jesus. January. It's in January, but oh, still, I was just looking at the schedule. Like, who who makes this schedule? I need to know, man, because like That's a January big game. 10th, January 10th, Rome wow. here, 6:30. Yeah, see, 6:30, and like 
12 o'clock. That's a big game, too, for 6.30. Yeah. I can understand Inter Cagliari being 6.30, but Roma Inter is 6.30? And 2.45 is Juventus Sassuolo, because anybody gives a shit about that game. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, actually, the 12 o'clock game is the worst game. Fiorentina versus Cagliari. Oh, God. The toilet bowl. <laughs> the toilet bowl is right, man. I just don't know who makes the schedule. I think it's 9 o'clock, if anything. Like, who's going to wake up at 6.30 to watch this game? I know that for no, us. I will. No, I will. <laughs> I know in Europe it's different because it's 12 o'clock, 12.30. So for them, it's like, oh, they're ready to go. I mean, that still sucks, though. I mean, a lot of people do not, like, really want to watch the, the lunchtime games. They don't like that in Europe either, and that's not as bad as, uh, as 6.30 a.m. But a, a huge yeah. thanks to Nick Costa for joining us, and you can hear him on the Brotherly Puck podcast. Where Anything else you want to promote, Nick, uh, on Twitter at uh, ForzaInter215? Anything else you want to throw out there? I appreciate that. And uh, again, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope I can do this again. And uh, if you like hockey and you like the Flyers, uh, yeah, it's at Brotherly Puck. It's uh, run by my buddy Dan. Um, we usually talk mostly Flyers. Uh, we dunk on the Leafs every now and again. But yeah, it, it, if, you, if you like hockey... Brotherly Puck. Good stuff. And uh, and make sure you follow our show on Twitter at CalchoConPod. That's at CalchoConPod. Uh, and if you're listening just to the audio of this, you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're just watching this on YouTube, you want to subscribe to the podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your pods. Just search Calcho Connection. Hit subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review if you want. You can follow Jerry at jmancini 8 you can follow me at Alex Dono, spelled D-O-N-N-O. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Huge thanks again to Nick and to everyone listening. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.